welcome to the Nightcap Film Club with me, Simon Alexander, podcaster and daytime cooking show contestant, and I'm sat in my little office at home, as is Paul Foster at his house, who joins me now. Are you right, mate? How you doing, mate? You're right. Yeah, good. Yeah. Thanks. Um, good. What a pleasure it was to have Curtis Duffy last week. Oh, it was amazing. Honestly, I was buzzing yeah. from it. So many people were like just buzzing as well, and just like I know we said it. Um, a couple of times, but just the way it come about, just um, so quickly, and him approaching yeah. us, like we were just amazed that he he'd even listened. Yeah, at the start, I was it, like so quickly. Yeah, yeah I, but, and and it was when um, <laughs> I was I was really looking forward to it, and then, but it was suddenly when we joined the call on the Zoom call, and obviously it was two thirty in the afternoon where he was. And he was in yeah. his chef whites in the restaurant, and I suddenly felt like, oh shit! Like he's in the middle of launching one of the, the most <laughs> prestigious restaurants in America, and we're just taking an hour of his time to talk about M and M's. Like it was just like, what? <laughs> but he like, was so cool with it, though. And he seems yeah. like he says he's a Zen character, but he he genuinely is. And I don't know many freestyle chefs personally. I've met quite a few, but mm. they're either like ridiculously like intense or eccentric or just you know so and obviously he's very driven but he's just so chilled and zen it's cool yeah, i know actually i i said to Haley afterwards she was like how did it go and i went do you know what he has like the look and the demeanor of like a surfer mm. not a chef yeah yeah like it doesn't so there's still actually even though i've seen it and obviously he has three michelin stars there's a yeah. part of me that's still like is he because <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> There's something that doesn't add up there almost. He's like too c- cool and he's too calm and well presented all the time. He's just very non chef like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I just can't yeah. get my head around it. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, a cool in a good guy. way. Yeah, absolutely. Cool so guy. cool. So when are we going to Chicago? Yeah, I know. That is, that is on the cards now, isn't it? It feels like it'd be rude to not go. Now. Yeah. So as soon as those flights open up, mate, let's just book it, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> Straight <there. laughs> Uh, also, so we're back to the film club this week, and we thought we would um, delve into a brand new show on Netflix, brand new series rather. The show's been on for a series already. It's called Street Food, and the guys behind this are the same guys that do Chef's Table, um, which is you can tell that, can't you, from the style? But they also don't, you know, it's they focus on different things, I guess, with the street food. They do more than one person. It's a bit more culturally, I think. Reflective, yeah, that, so it will yeah, cover the area of more than the person necessarily, won't it? It's yeah, you can tell from the cinematography and the way that they—it's not just about food. It's they—they're very big on the story and the yeah. growth and the evolution of people, um, yeah. which is clear from Chef's Table. But it's interesting to see how they flick between different people in different areas of, like Argentina, for, for instance, yeah. for this one. But yeah, I, mean, I that's what I really got from it and um i think what they did so well was how they conveyed the passion and culture their, mm. and their passion for their culture which is something that we just don't really have over oh. in england do we We don't have passion for I our know. culture even it, in that opening montage of the whole episode you get like the the hustle and bustle of the city the mm. football the markets and all these things and i was like the equivalent here you know, they've got like, you know, the Argentinian tango in the streets. We've got yeah. fucking Morris dancing. <laughs> like, <laughs> they've got like, you know, all these, the, the street vendors outside the football grounds, they're having chorizo sandwiches and these beautiful cuts of meat. Oh. We've got like pucker pies. Yeah. Like, what? It's, it's just something so, gone wrong, isn't it? What's happened? Something's yeah, gone wrong. Like, like where did so it go great. wrong? 
But yeah, it's, it's just, it is. It's something we don't have over here. Um, I don't know. They just seem so proud without any ignorance or prejudice. They're just very proud of what they yeah. are, which is I know what I mean. It's, hu- it's, hum- it's There's a humility to, to it as well, though, isn't yes. there? It's just like, this exactly. genuinely is our recipe. These are our recipes. We've passed them mm. down through families and we still do them today. And it's, and we talked about this when we did when we covered Chef, the film, about how yeah. the best quality street food is the cheapest food you can get. Mm. And that is something that I wish we had here because it's such a shame we don't. Yeah, it is such a shame. I don't know whether it is it because we're an island and it, you know we have to import a lot. Our produce is more expensive, and I don't yeah. know. It's got to be something to do with obviously our culture and supply chains and things like that. But it's such a shame. And I guess stuff has become like a bit commercialized. Like we've got yeah. loads of McDonald's and Nando's and Bella Italia's and all, like Fountain Pret a Manger on every corner. Mm. You know, our equivalent of street food is like a Greg's that does a sausage roll for ninety p. Yeah, that that we've it just is, uh, we've commercialized it so hard, and yet you look at just some of these shots of Buenos Aires and you're just like, oh my god, this. And and actually, I look at that food and I think, God, that would cost me fifteen pounds from like a really high end food festival. Yeah, the Cotswolds. It, it here. would uh, like some you know sort I mean? of yeah, some sort of cool street market place, and th- yeah, yeah, there is that's their general food, and you know it's going to taste twenty times better over there as well. Yeah. I yeah. know it's, I, it's straight away. T- two minutes in, I was pissed off with England. <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, why is it yeah. so awesome over there? And I know, here. I know. It's that's made not me to say want that to go. I know, and that's not to say because obviously there is incredible food here. We know that mm. it just doesn't come in the same forms that it does. In places exactly. like Buenos Aires, where it's sort of for everyone a bit more, whereas I think generally a lot of the time here, the best food is generally more expensive. Yeah, like if I wanted to take my kids out now just to go and get something really tasty, cheap, easy, accessible, I I don't know where I'd go. Yeah, that's a fucking brilliant point. Where like, would you you want to take your kids out for a cheap and cheerful meal that is quality, easy. quality food? Where do you, you go? Can grab it in your hand and go and sit in a park or something. Yeah, where'd you go? I don't know, mate. Maybe someone could answer that and get in touch with us. Yeah, but like, so I'm, right. You know, we're not exactly out in the sticks. I'm in Kenilworth and, you know, we've got everything around yeah. here, big cities, everything. It's just, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. oh, man. Oh, God. Mm. Two minutes into street food, we're already depressed. <laughs> 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 but anyway, back to, back to street food. And yeah, Buenos Aires, I mean, just that, pay, that, that picture it paints uh, at the beginning is just so, like, in a weird way, seductive when it comes to the food and the culture. You just want to immerse yourself in it. And credit to yeah. these guys that create Chef's Table and street food because I don't think I've ever seen a TV show or a film or anything about food that has made me feel like I'm smelling and tasting everything as I'm watching yeah. it more than this show. It, it does it so brilliantly. Yeah, I, I wasn't even that hungry when I watched it last night and I was salivating and I could smell it, you know, just the beautiful shots of like just a lovely little sausage over some, you know, over yeah. some charcoal. And I'm like, oh, I could I could squeeze that I in. Yeah. That, I could, yeah, I could just a little bit of room for that. Yeah, <laughs> but genuine. Yeah. And then just everything like the um, the uh, the lady uh, Pato um, in her yeah, garden. Rodriguez, yeah. In a, you know the barbecue in her garden and just the meats and then she's brushing in the chimichurri. I'm just like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that, and, that's and wh- where it's at. Whilst I know that they've obviously, you know, the production crew would be like, right, we need to look, Peto, we want to get you cooking at home for friends and family. Like, mm. I'm not, I'm not being overly cynical, but I know they would have dressed that up a bit for the yeah. show. 
But at the same time, it did feel so authentic and effortless. Oh, yeah, it did. You can tell it? they like, do that could... kind of thing normally. Yeah. Mm. And and again here, I just like if I was if they said right, just do a a classic barbecue at home, it'd be scrubbing the grill that hasn't been scrubbed in uh, scrubbed in months, getting yeah. like cheap plastic cheese out of the packet to go on top of the on the the burgers. Do you know what I mean? It just mm. none of it would be anywhere near as good as what she was doing in that outdoor no. oven. No, exactly. What was your impression of La Chica's Pato's place, which was this beautiful? It, well, it wasn't actually very beautiful, the little sort of hut and cubbyhole she had, but it was in this beautiful market that was selling the best produce in the yeah. country, clearly. Mm. Uh, what did you make of that setup? And then what was your impression oh, of that? I it? thought it was brilliant. I, I just really want to go sit at that counter, just eat the food and watch them, watch her, yeah. you know, because she is a master of her craft. Everything she does, if you really look at the way she works and the way she executes things, it doesn't matter that it's on a simple level. Like The execution and the consistency throughout that food is brilliant. Uh, and yeah. it just all looks so tasty, even though everything is loaded with cheese. And you know how I feel about cheese. I still wanted it. <laughs> I was going to ask you, I wrote that down. I was like, there's a lot of cheese in this episode. Is Paul still going to be on board? Yeah. But you would chow down, surely. Yeah, well, most of it's mozzarella and I don't count that yeah. as cheese. So, because I'll eat it. <laughs> <I'm into> milk, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just everything from that tortilla that she created. And it's like, you can see it's Spanish roots, uh, but it's it's got more bollocks about it like chunks of potatoes in it and then that cheese in the middle um and every single one they must have turned out loads during that show just for that sexy (laughs) you know (laughs) sexy money shot it's never not satisfying though every time they unveil a big ass frittata or omelette from the case you know they lift it off and the steam comes and it's perfectly round perfect coloration Oh, yeah, yeah, that evenness of the colour as well. It's like, it's not burnt. It's just that crispy brown, like yeah. caramelised edges. Oh, my word. Everyone was nailed. And just just watching her work as well when she was doing the empanadas, just how quickly she's you know, rolling them and smashing them out. She's, she, you know, she's a master of her craft. And yeah. it's, it's great to watch whatever level you're at or, you know, whether it's fine dining or, or what, it doesn't matter. I've got such an appreciation for people mastering their craft, whatever level it is. But yeah, I agree. And and in Chef's Table and in street foods, you've got people at either end of the sort of culinary spectrum in terms of mm. like um, establishments and yeah. how much it costs to eat there. But actually, these the characteristics and the love is the same. Yeah. Which is fascinating, exactly. really. Because I was thinking, so wait a minute, if you plonked her in the middle of, you know, Grant Ackett's restaurant in you know or went up and met Curtis and said like would she do as well would she there might be loads of processes she has no clue about it's just she's perfected the art of the thing that she's sort of um been shown by her family and that sort of thing um or not would she just fit in seamlessly because she's got the work ethic and she understands the kitchen and she knows a way around it regardless I'm sure it wouldn't take much because that passion and drive and that sort of addiction to make it perfect is there yeah, the, the processes would obviously be very different, but, you know, what it takes to work in any top kitchen, um, at whatever level, it takes hard work, passion, dedication, and, you know, that, that willingness to learn. And if mm-hmm. you've got all those, you, you will be able to excel in a different environment. It might just take you a bit just to get used to systems and the way people work, but yeah. someone like that can adapt. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They um they sum La Chica's up by saying it's basically Argentinian comfort food. And I think, yeah, like like you said, it's like it's all perfect and like she knows her craft immensely. But yet again, all of the clientele that are rocking up on the stools are like 
local suppliers, chefs, mm. taxi drivers. That was one of my favourite comments where they yeah. said, you know where the best street food is in the in the city because it'll be lined up with taxi drivers outside. And I love yeah. that, that sort of local knowledge. And it's like the taxi driver never lies. If there's 20 taxi drivers outside of it, you yeah. know it's good. You know you're onto a good one, yeah. Yeah, and um, I thought it was good and it was genuine as well how you know the chefs go to her place, like the top chefs in Buenos Aires. Because they're the kind of things yeah. that chefs like to eat and you know whatever whatever type of food you're cooking you want just that really tasty approachable accessible food you know it was the same as chefs have always been a big fan of um st john in in london uh, fergus henderson's place and it's you know it's bare bones it's like bone marrow and toast and stuff like that and it it comes back to the same sort of thing that's what that's what we eat that's what that's what we like it's like chef's canteen (laughs) yeah uh, and actually, it's sort of a genius business model. And I don't know whether she necessarily knew what she was doing at the very beginning because it was just passed down to her. And clearly her partner, which we'll come on to in a bit, was a massive instigator in the evolution of that place because of the systems that she needed and the cleanliness and the hygiene and that sort of thing. Yeah. But the model of quite a big unit that serves people quickly in a market that sells food. So not only have you got restaurants restaurateurs chefs owners suppliers coming in and out and eating mm. your food every day but then you've also if you've ever run out of an ingredient yeah you literally run 10 yards that way and get it like it's <laughs> not genius, like just like to yeah. it, it's sort of perfect and you don't have to rely on footfall from the general public or tourists or seasonality because mm. chefs and suppliers are going to be there every day regardless getting food like it's genius exactly. it's perfect no, it seems like the, like the perfect place and they've got that captive audience you know chefs, exactly. chefs and suppliers going in there hungry and they can smell yeah. it and they're like yeah straight there it's like not until i saw this episode did i realize that if i was ever going to open a street food vending plate like it would be in the center of a supplier's market yeah. it's this the most genius place to have it yeah it, and it must be really cool for tourists though because even though suppliers are in there all the time for a tour like say say you were there and you were going to seek this place out. Not only do you get the experience of eating at her place, sitting at one of those stools, eating those incredible ingredients, but then you also get that background. It's not beautiful views, but it's like the best produce in the country coming into one place. Like that is such yeah. a unique experience for any like proper foodie, isn't it? Oh, it really is. It really is. And I can kind of like. I, it was funny last night because I was kind of trying to re- relate to it in a, a quite a sort of silly way. I, I worked in a market. When I was, um, what about 13, 14? I think, yeah, I think you've mentioned this before, but I've already talked about it. Completely different to that. <laughs> it's the Coventry Indoor Market. Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. Um, and if what you were ever, selling? So my mum my had a stall there, and it was like a baguette stall. Um, oh, so okay. it's it like baguettes, batches, um, baps, for anyone who's not from Coventry, we call it a batch. Yeah, thanks very much. Um, roll, or roll, just a roll. roll. Yeah. yeah, it's a batch. Um, like pork and stuff in like roast beef stuff like that really simple stuff but just nice little snacks um and uh i used to work there when i was about 12 my brother used to work there now and again but my brother's really weird about food and if somebody would order a tuna baguette he wouldn't want to touch it so he'd ask my mum to do it (laughs) so i'd have to do it but like just the vast difference from the coventry indoor market no disrespect to it but i know it's been done up a bit now but it was horrible back then you know <laughs> they had a cafe that just felt the tables just felt like grease and it's dunk of fags um oh, it, yeah piss and fags is what it smelled like it was it was <laughs> awful um oh, and 
I remember there was a market inspector who worked there who's a proper job's worth who'd come around, check what we were selling, making sure we didn't sell anything that other stores did. Um, yeah. I think my mum ran it for about a year and it's quite successful, to be fair. But right. yeah, it just, just wasn't fun. And if, um, if you ever want to laugh, Google into, or into YouTube, Harry Hill, Coventry Indoor Market, he did a what? song about it with some of the spots. Fucking hilarious. Yeah. I, I saw it on the Harry Hill show once, just randomly. I was like, that's Coventry in the market. That is hilarious. I have no idea. <laughs> Harry Hill. Okay, brilliant. I'm gonna do that as soon as this is God, over. Honestly, I had no it's idea. Hilarious. Yeah. Mate, that is fucking brilliant. Yeah, and yet again the comparisons between the Buenos Aires indoor market to our indoor markets here. It's just chalk and yeah. cheese, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And I mean we have got some good ones down in London, obviously like supplier markets, you know, like Billingsgate and things like that, like good fish ones, meat ones. We I've not really visited much. So it's not a real yeah. fair comparison to Coventry indoor market, but <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Um yeah, one of the other things that struck me in the documentary was about the commitment and that level of sort of like perseverance to make everything perfect. And, you know, she, Peto made the sort of uh, comment of, oh, I don't have kids. I don't need kids. My my customers are my kids. And this sort of, that attitude, you know, you sort of do get the impression that would she be as successful if she didn't have a family, if she had a family in the background that she had to care for? Like, would it work? Exactly, like, maybe not. yeah. Yeah, who it's, knows? I mean, some people are still, but... But who knows if that's your main focus, you know, if other things take away from that yeah. you know, and your priorities change, who knows? But I mean, she seems very content in what she's doing. Oh, definitely. And and because I guess she's doing it with her partner, like it yeah. works so that, you know, but then you've also got the old boy who's making those beautiful stuffed pizzas, which ah. I mean, the amount of cheese, was it 1.5 kilograms of mozzarella inside? <sighs> yeah. And then just... do you see the amount of onions he put on top? It was like yeah. a sack of onions on every single one. And then he's doing the interview with Chef's Table uh, with Street Food Guys, and I don't think I've ever seen this on either show, where halfway through the interview, he says, can I go now? Yeah. And they're like, what? And he's like, and they're like, yeah. And he goes, because I, you know, I don't want to get behind. I don't want to. Just absolute. And, and he gets agitated if he's not there. He's like, yeah. oh, I'm at home, or I'm just a bit like, and stress. Oh, he's already retired, and he's stressed. Yeah. 57 years. Yeah. Doing the same job. I mean, I admire that. I couldn't do it myself, but I admire that. I can't, I can't quite... Yeah fathom that but obviously he's a master at it and he just he loves it and he's happy um what they're called i wrote it down um fugazetta is it fugazetta i can't pronounce it yeah right, that's but... it it's the stuffed pizza isn't it it's basically like dough mozzarella another layer of dough onions yeah I, <laughs> that's how I, I couldn't really tell but i think that's what it was yeah it, was well, it came like, out massive really explained, but yeah it was proper thick deep pan yeah, yeah. It looked it looked decent to be fair, but no like tomato on it or anything, was it? No, that's true actually. Yeah, but I think um, yeah, I know what you mean. The idea of doing that for fifty seven years, actually on paper, it sounds like some sort of prison sentence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Like if you said right, fifty seven years, you're going to stuff pizzas and nothing else. You'd be like, oh yeah. fuck no, you can't oh, change God. them, can't evolve the, them. Yeah, but actually, in the way it's shown, and again, testament to these guys who are creating it, the way it's shown and the way he talks so passionately about it. It's almost meditative. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, there's room in my life to go and be frantic and have fun and do stuff with family. But for these hours of the day, my life is simple. I just take these beautiful ingredients, turn them into something really sweet and lovely and then send them out. And that is it. Yeah. There's something actually quite, it's like, it's a bit metronomic, isn't it? A bit like, mm-hmm. um, but, but there's almost something satisfying about how simple life is like that. Yeah, that I actually envied. I was like, oh, I wish. You're actually, not chasing, how cool is that? Chasing, yeah. it's not that pressure or that 
internal or external stress of you've got to be better, you've got to be faster, you've got to be doing more, you've got to be yeah. out doing the other guy. It's like they know their business. They've been clearly been busy for like 60 years. Yeah. And they're doing and a great content he is. job. And he's content, yeah, because he's yeah. not chasing this elusive goal like many of us are. Which and there's us rushing into Greg's for a one-pound fucking sausage roll, being like, I need to get to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. I'm going to be late, there's traffic. Like, it's just, it is fucked up, isn't it? It's just yeah. so funny. And that's one of the beautiful things about this show, isn't it? I think it actually turns out, it's as much about the food and more the reminder about what's important a bit. Like, without going too yeah. deep, but I was thinking that within 10 minutes of watching the show, I've just like, oh, look at this simple life and these humble very, ingredients. Um, it's a very deep yet subtle underlying message i think they're not obvious they're not saying not preaching it's no. just this like it doesn't have to be that stressful life doesn't have to be that hard we make yeah. the choices to make it that hard yeah oh, you're mm. so right mate oh we're stuck in this rat race yeah um i love the amount of football we got in this one by the way that was yeah. that was lovely wasn't it See a bit yeah, of great i couldn't work out was that the argentinian national side yeah there was nobody i particularly recognized but it was the argentinian um Colour. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. I, I was trying to because it was a big stadium, and I was like, "Is that, is that the team?" Because I thought, "Oh, we're going to get a Messi close up." I, know, I was like, yeah. "I bet we're going," but it never happened. I was like, "Oh, maybe there's just another club that has the same strip." Yeah. I don't know, but could be image rights of Messi, maybe. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> they just showed all of the lesser known players that don't have any like representation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then and that sort of like was a gateway to this like streetfield cult street food culture outside the grounds which we mm. touched upon earlier and the chorizo sandwich oh yeah mate. i literally was dying for one when i saw it it's yeah. so simple what, there's nothing much to it is it i mean what was it called again i i don't think i wrote it down i'm bad um, with names of this uh uh the chorizo pan chorizo pan is it just called chorizo pan chorizo pan yeah and there's another one that's similar with a different yeah. name as well. But yeah, oh, they looked amazing. And then they always finish the bread with a chimichurri. Yes. Oh, yeah. I oh, love man. chimichurri. I do, do some yeah. at the restaurant, actually. It's kind of, well, it started as a very refined chimichurri um, mm-hmm. that I served with, like we served it sometimes with uh, beef cheek or like a braised beef cheek, like use that to freshen it up. Um, yeah. And I've evolved oh, I think it I've so had much. It. I've had that as soon as you said the cheek. I've, had it at your place, That's right. yeah. And I've served it with loads of different things. It just works all sorts of, like it was great with Wagyu. Um, but I've changed it so much, I would never call it a chimichurri because it's it's not that. It's like, we call it green herb ketchup now. Right, um, nice. It's like bright green, like you've blended Kermit and it's like thick. So it's just <laughs> like now, it's just, it's parsley, coriander, I think in equal quantities, mint, then equal quantities of oil and water with some garlic. Blend that into an emulsion and it stays oh, stable. Yeah, salt pass it and then we add lime juice to it just before we serve it stir it, it thickens up slightly and it's like a ketchup Ooh. consistency so that yeah we have green herb ketchup but it started as like how good chimichurri is with with uh, like braised meats grilled meats barbecue meats all those sort of things oh that sounds amazing man mm. yeah and it yeah. just looks so simple as well it's just like and the idea that you could just get that outside the ground i was literally picturing the um uh sort of burger vans you get outside you know and i was thinking if, if these argentinian fans came to england for an argentina versus england and they're outside wembley mm. and they're they're queuing up for a balti pucker pie like, they must be like <laughs> what the hell is that like and it's twice the price of the chorizo pan that they're getting outside the buenos aires stadium it's just yeah. like unbelievable the difference oh mate honestly 
honestly. But our health yeah, and so safety wouldn't allow all those open fires that they. I know. Outside. I was thinking that it was literally just like rock up with a big like steel pan and some big load of char- charcoal. Yes. Yeah. I know. It was just like oh my god. But it looked. It just looked awesome, didn't it? I bet the smells when you walk around. I think one guy said like you've not been to the game if you've not had one. Like yeah. you're not. You're not considered like you're not a proper fan if you've not yeah. had one outside. All this is going to be very, very expensive. I want to go to Chicago. Now I want to go to Buenos Aires. <laughs> I didn't know a lot about Argentina, but I want to go there now. I want to watch the football yeah. and eat at every street food vendors. Yeah. It's not going to be cheap, is it, with the flight? No, this is only a half an hour show and it's already more. <laughs> I'm packing my bags. It's ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? And yeah, there was loads of like, uh, like the open flame grills outside the football stadium. There was loads of like, <laughs> like sort of quite nostalgic little scenes about how things, I guess, used to be here, but have evolved differently. Like, if we went to a street food market in a trendy, you know, in Notting Hill, then if, even if we were getting like a, you know, a cool whatever uh, mac and cheese with a crumb on top or something, you'd be paying with contactless over the counter now and all this sort of yeah. stuff. Whereas here you just saw these where he, he's got his two sons and they've got this giant till and the cash Bastard is just falling till. out of it like <laughs> confetti. You know, but it was just like this sort of old timey feel with a lot of charm to it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. And you notice those things straight away because we have moving in the direction we have, which, you know, isn't necessarily a bad thing for us. But, no, yeah, I don't know, it just made you think, do we focus on the wrong things or do we worry too much about... Like that till uh, over here would be considered like a, a food safety risk. It was so dirty yeah. and awful, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. saw that till, they'd never buy food from you. Yeah. Over there, yeah. it's like, yeah, this is how it should be, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, yeah, and then also with the football stuff, we got the sort of relationship reveal between Peto and her wife yeah. who met. And I actually thought she was setting the story up to be some sort of horrific injury. Because when she was talking uh, about yeah. how, yeah, so uh, this girl flew in for a tackle and the music was quite tense. I was like, mm. oh God, it's going to be like a leg break and she wasn't able to work. And then her dad <laughs> yeah. died. Like I was expecting all this. But it was actually like a super romantic thing. If we tackled each other, sort of hurt each other, got up and... And then now we're married. And it's like, whoa, did not see that coming out of nowhere. And then it developed into the story of how she invited her into the restaurant to help her. I forget her name now, her partner. But she yeah. was the one that actually turned it from a sort of like a fairly happy-go-lovely, uh, happy-go-lucky, like almost food shack into like a proper business with principles yeah. and an, an order to it. Yeah, some consistency and just the things it needed, but without taking it into a corporate world, but just a little bit more easy. And what it allowed Peto to do is to focus on the food. You yes, know, she yeah. wasn't having to worry about serve the guests too much, but she could still have contact and communication with them. She wasn't, you know, having to worry about, you know, people owing her money and everyone having everything on tick and she could concentrate on the food and then, you know, her wife took over the rest. I thought it was yeah. it seemed like a great partnership. Yeah, it was a oh, nice nice story. Yeah. I was thinking though, like it looks so it looked romantic and harmonious and perfect. But do you reckon that's because it was a filming day? Probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean? like, normally, it's like after ten minutes, she's just like, "I thought you were putting the fucking frittata in." No, I thought you were putting the fucking frittata. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, but yeah. because the camera's there, it's just like, oh, we just work so perfectly together. <laughs> yeah, when they were asking where the where the cheese was, he's so politely, yeah. so yeah. Like, probably, where's well, the fucking cheese? Where have you put it? <laughs> It's just like at home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so good. Um, uh, what else have I got down here? Oh, yeah, the tortilla, tortilla de papas. Yeah. That was the golden, 
like dish for me in this show. That that if I'm right, that was the one she created, didn't she? Yeah, yeah, yeah and and it was yeah naughty. That's a good word for it. It was sort of, so basically a big fat omelet. Yeah, with chunks cheese running through it, chunks of potato. By the way, the coolest gadget I've ever seen in the world was that potato slicer that turned it all into cubes immediately. Oh, yeah. I was literally, I almost rewound it, like, what? How did that, what the, f- <laughs> that's incredible. It's like, I was like, and I think about all the time I've ever done cubed potatoes and put them under the grill or put them in the oven at home and how long it takes to do it. And it's just yeah. like, chunk 1,000 yeah. perfect cubes. I was like, oh my yeah. God, that's amazing. <laughs> Life changing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so you've got the potatoes, you've got cheese. Uh, I think some, did it have ham in the middle as well? Yeah, they put ham in, which apparently is a very Argentinian thing, you know, ham and cheese. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you wouldn't and see that in a Spanish as... tortilla. No, that's right. And then it was literally like that thick, was it? it was like five, six inches thick. It was like a cake size. Yes. And it oh, sliced it like, like a cake. It was just... Yeah. So uh... I'm, not, I'm not really a fan of like frittata. I find it too eggy. But I like yeah. a Spanish tortilla because it's more potato and onion than the egg. The ratio yeah, is better yeah, yeah. for me personally. Um, if it's just like a really thick omelette, it's just, oh, it's fucking awful. So I'm not a quiche <laughs> fan. Quiche a bit weird, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and, oh, uh, you're a quiche fan. I love a quiche. I it's love just, quiche I don't array. dislike it. I just, I just find it a bit weird. It's like this sort of scrambled egg in some pastry. I just, I just don't get it. <laughs> no, sure. Yeah. yeah, it is a weird one. I, I've gone off having them, you know, when like often you go to like friends' picnics or birthdays and mm. then a quiche will be out in a bit in a foil carton, co- ice cold. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what I find that, it weird. That is awful. It, it I actually, they are ambient. so much better, either room temperature or, or out or of the hot, oven. Yeah, yeah. They are, so the pastry is still a bit crisp. When you buy them from the supermarket in a cardboard box in foil and then just slice it cold, no oh, thanks. And that soggy that. pastry and cold set scrambled yeah. egg? No, mate. Yeah. No. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, going yeah, back to it, I, I really like the look of her um, her one because of those chunks of potato and some real substance to it and it wasn't like just yeah. loaded with egg. It, oh, God, it looks so good. Yeah, that was my favourite dish. Did you have a favourite one? If you like, if you could only have taken a dish from that show to eat today, what would you have... Uh... Well, probably that, or, or maybe the empanadas that they were doing in this. Oh street. yeah, we talked about those. Yeah, with like the beef and the onions, beef ones. and how they changed them throughout the, you know, throughout the different provinces of Argentina. Yeah, I forget the name. They said that the one province, Tos- Toscan- Toscany, or something like that, was the most popular one, and that was the one with beef, bell peppers. I remember. Yes. Um, deep yeah, they fried. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, deep fried. They looked sort of like dumplings in a way, didn't they? Yeah. Or mini paste uh, pasties. Yeah, they are kind of like pasties, but deep fried. But with like a, they've got a good amount of filling. It's not overloaded with the pastry. Yeah. yeah. Oh mate, you get me hungry again. I've just had lunch as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know it's so good. I did think as well because um, obviously in the in street food. It's very different to Chef's Table where they cover more than one vicinity yeah. and loads of different foods. I imagine the production crew are eating well here. Because oh, I imagine God, that yeah. they're organising these days with these people like, oh, we're going to come down, we're going to do this. They must be tasting, the camera guys even, who maybe maybe they just got a gig. These camera guys just like, oh, I've got a gig. I'm just in this thing called street food. Don't know much about it, but it should be good. I'm going to be off for a month. Mm. And they don't, they're probably going to try everything we saw. Yeah. Um yeah, they're going to come back with lockdown bellies, aren't they? <laughs> Just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> massively. Oh, it'd be, yeah. be great. Oh, God, I'm, yeah, I'm proper jealous. Yeah. Any other takeaways from it, mate? Um, 
Finn House, really, I think we've gone over so many. I mean, quite a lot for a, a 30 minute episode. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. I just, it was a yeah, more manageable just... amount of stuff to concentrate on, actually, it only being half an hour. I did yeah. think that. I was like, oh, Jesus, we used to, we've done two hour films. Like, this is so much easier to digest. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Um, no, I just think, um, I just think it's brilliant, beautifully shot, and I can't wait to watch the next ones, really, which I'm going to watch. And I haven't seen, I didn't realize there was a street food series before because this is yeah. latin where was the one before was it asia asia because i'll have to watch yeah, that the, series well. one was the whole of asia yeah Haley and i watched that when it first came out yeah um but yeah i can't i've just watched this first episode but now we're definitely gonna, i mean a part of me wants to just review all of this series just every week just because it's so great but yeah. maybe we need to do variety but um yeah we'll we definitely, do, we'll if break we, it up if, do another one in a bit yeah yeah because i think people will find them so rewarding and because they're brand new they're out now mm. um, and a big shout out to david glebe i believe it is oh yes david glebe he's the director of chef's table and street food the emmy emmy winning show and he retweeted our content about this review which is awesome oh he so did even straight if off he, the bat yeah yeah I, I mean i don't know whether he'll be listening or whatever but if he is shout out to you mate because it's bloody amazing and i'm not surprised that it's won emmys for the documentary making oh, both chef's yeah. table and this like it's just it's next level making. I, I picture like at universities where they're doing like documentary making, they would show these sorts of shows, I think. Exactly. As yes. an example of how to do it. To fit into any genre, like just how yeah. how perfect it's done. I mean, it doesn't yeah, it just, just appeal to, be food to me here. because yeah. it's food. It's it's the storytelling. It's the cinematography. It's just the, the beauty of the culture. It's everything. It could I'd watch it about something that I probably wasn't as interested in just because of the videography. Yeah, yeah, love it. Before we go, I actually wanted to talk to you a bit about the Department of Health and Social Care stuff that we posted the other day. Did you see? Did you see all this? Um, which one was that? I, I did. So this is about how basically restaurants, cafes, takeaways—they currently obviously don't provide any calorie information on food oh, they serve yeah. if they don't want to. Yeah, but they want to support diners to make healthier choices when eating out. I'm assuming that this is because of, and I've seen a few adverts on television at the moment about because of the pressure of COVID, you know, on the NHS, if people can eat healthier and maybe lose weight, it means that generally there are less people going to hospitals and that could have a, an effect. So they're calling, they're saying restaurants should, it would be great for everyone if your starters, main dessert or your tasting menu, Paul, had a lovely little calorie yeah, count at the mate. bottom. <laughs> no, and it's not a COVID thing. This has been murmuring for a few years now. Oh, has it? Yeah. Why? Um, you know, health reasons. And I totally get it, you know, McDonald's, fast food places. I think they absolutely should because it's somewhere people will eat regular or, or, or too regular. Um, but you can't just say put all of hospitality industry into one basket, can you? Yeah, at, right. at all. Like, look at look at us, for example. I did an interview actually with Staff Canteen about this about I know, last year, at some point, and uh, talking about my accountability or responsibility to my customers' health. And I feel I've got no responsibility to customers' health whatsoever. It's totally up to yeah. them. They're grown ups; they can do that themselves. Yeah. So a regular for us is like a real regular is this guy, Bob, who's been like thirty six times. It works out once a month. Thirty six times. Wow. Yes, Bob. 
but that's that's incredibly rare. Our regular He must have gone enough. He must have got enough points to get a meal free at this point. <laughs> like, like, like we'll, we'll stamp like the card on your way yeah. in. Like, right, you get a free taste menu now, Bob. <laughs> Sorry, go on. But even like, so that's the most. Ex- a, a, a normal regular is once every few months for us. Yeah. So let's take Bob as an example, extreme example. That works out once a month, and if he has three three meals a day. That's 90 meals. So it's like 1% of his food that he has yeah, in the most point. extreme example. So yeah. it's it's a treat. It's an experience. It's not food that, you know, they're having all the time. I've got no obligation to give them healthy food. That's not what we offer. I think it could yeah. be quite uh, very damaging, essentially, for, for especially people that don't understand calories or the way they work or balancing your diet. If you If we put on our eight-course tasting menu, then you had the bread and the butter if you just put the amount of calories on the body, it'd be frightening. It'd be more than what you should have for a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I wouldn't recommend everyone eats that every day at all, but it's, it's a treat. It's indulgent. Um, yeah. Yeah. And just, uh, and then you've got to take into the account that we change our menu every day. I change the recipes all the time. I'm always tweaking them and changing them. So just the, the oh, admin yeah, job, admin job of <laughs> yeah. keeping it up to date. So I would, yeah. if it was forced to do it by law, what I would do, I'd just take the menus away. We wouldn't offer menus to anybody. We'd just say it's a eight courses surprise menu. Yeah. And yeah, then- I, th- I could completely understand and concur. And also, I think there's also maybe don't, not making it law, um, I think it's fine because it's also, it could be a good thing for certain restaurants and cafes that mm. do that deliberately, if that makes sense. So, for yeah. example, if you've got like a you know, a, a cafe that is predicated itself on like really good, lean, healthy mm-hmm. meals to have if you're on a, not on a diet, but if you're trying to lose weight or something. So they put all the calories next to it. That could be part of your like, your MO and your business plan yeah, to do that. Yeah, USP for you. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if that was just across the board everywhere, people might go, oh, I've got a room for 722 calories for dinner. I can either go to this healthy place and have fuck loads of food or I can just go to Paul's for just a main. I'll just go to Paul's for just a main. Yeah. Yeah. It might just, it, that might kept cause more chaos. Like surely there's enough places that do that and give that information out there that and, um, it shouldn't have to be everyone. And then you just go, look, what is the point of it anyway? I mean, apparently they're only looking at it for larger businesses, but it's only a matter of time before it becomes across the board. So we've got to look at it seriously and objectively, of like how would this affect us? And say we all have to do it, just imagine how inaccurate it would be. Like, yeah. you know, you've got Bob's calf where it's just, just him working there, you know, guessing, <laughs> guessing the calories. I bet everything would be rounded to 100, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, Bang Savage, 100. 100. Yeah. <laughs> Cereal, 200. Uh, full English, 400. Like, just, wait, is it exactly every time, is it? Like- yeah. But even if you use an app, I mean, I do, like, while I've been exercising a lot, I've been using, like, my fitness to track my calories, but I'm not, like, I'm not, like, religious with it. It's just to give me a good general idea, but I know that they're not that accurate. So, yeah. You know, if they come and did some testing, you, if there's fines in place or, or anything like that, you, we could get ruined. We can't yeah. all afford to hire nutritionists. Yeah, no, you're you know, so, so true there. I was going to read a couple of these comments, actually, because we had so many people talking to us about it online. So Joe said it's a load of shite. If I want to eat out as a treat, then I don't need to be reminded of calories. I'm an adult and I know what foods are good and bad. Exactly. Uh, Brian said, come on, we go into a restaurant not to make a diet, but to have an experience. And that's uh, a war declared by holy butter. 
This was quite a good one. Stu said, as a diabetic, it's way more helpful to have the carbs on there so you can adjust your insulin with confidence. Nobody caters for that, really. Not sure it should be mandatory. As others have said, a restaurant is a treat. Eat, be happy, worry about it later. And I think it's just like, yeah, common sense, moderation. Educate yourself as well. Like, it's not up to the restaurant. You've got Google in your pocket. Yeah. Like... And well, I, like you said, a fitness app that can guide you and help you. But at the end of the day, it shouldn't be the restaurant's fault you're a bit overweight. Exactly. That's the thing. And that I think that's why we do get a bit up in arms as restaurateurs, that it seems to be things like this are always put on as our fault. And it's becoming this nanny state. And yeah. just just let people make their own decisions and be accountable for their own decisions. You know, yeah, that, exactly. that, that, that's all it is. Like I'll exercise and eat healthy throughout the week. If I'm going out for a big lavish dinner at the weekend, you know, it, it, and that's all yeah. it is in education. Yeah. Yeah. This is not going to solve any obesity problems whatsoever. It's got to start with, um, you know, children eating correctly, understanding food and where it comes from and just education from, early ages not just yeah, sl- think- slapping calories on a menu yeah definitely and it is all about that early those early years i mean i was over i was really overweight as a kid and i didn't really learn about calories or food groups properly probably until my 20s mm. and i went on a big fitness kick then to lose weight and i'm i'm lighter now than i was when i was 14 believe it or not yeah and a, wow. a massive part of that is just sheer education and it yeah. wasn't because i was necessarily ignorant or um always feeling like I was overindulgent. I just didn't have a fucking clue. And I was never really told by school properly or even my parents or like other people. And maybe other people have had it the other way around where their parents are really on top of it. But it's just horses for courses. But at the end of the day, it's when you're a kid that really all this, you know, going to salt and you you showing adults how many, I mean, what is that? That is not helping anyone out, is it? It's not. And I promise you, I won't do it. Even if it (laughs) becomes law. It will either be, like I, I said, menu away, <laughs> or I'll just put the same fucking number on every dish and then just yeah. go with it. Honestly, I'm not. I'm that stubborn about something like this. Yeah. I'm just not going to do it. I don't have the time. You don't have to, convi- don't have to convince me, mate. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Cool. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think we're pretty much good. What do you reckon for next week? Have you got... Uh... Well, I think we because we did it on the first one. I think we should go back to Chef's Table. Um, okay. Do um, Favicon. Oh cool yeah, you one, mentioned this is. one to me the other day, didn't you? You really want to do yeah. that one again? Yeah, it's one. Of well, the ones uh, remind that... us what where where it is and what the. Well, it doesn't. It's not is. open anymore. But um, so it's uh, northern region of Sweden, out in the um, out in the sticks. You've got to get a plane then. Uh, then hire a car and drive several hours just to get to this place where I think the population is like one person every square mile or something like that. Wow. It, it, yeah, it's it, just an incredible, unique restaurant with a cool story and like incredible food. Okay, let's do it. I'm well up for it because Chef's Table and and Street Food, they are just like, it's it, this is it's food porn, isn't it really? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Okay, follow us uh, at the nightcap underscore pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the usual places. Feel free to send us any questions, recommendations, comments on any of the films and documentaries that we've watched. We appreciate it. And even stuff like this, like we were just talking about, about the calories, um, you know, head to Twitter, join the debate. We'll read some of your comments out. Uh, We're willing to do more of that as we sort of like go through. And then hopefully, I guess, mate, in the next few weeks, might have more news about guests for the next series. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, or the rest of the rest of series three, mm. and opening up 
restaurants again because yeah. stuff is slowly getting back to normal. It's nice, you know, following chefs on social media and seeing these places starting to open up and be successful again. You get the sense that we're moving forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely, isn't it? And it's nice to see everything's gradually slipping back into this what I know call it the new normal, but it will eventually become normal again. I've no doubt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm. Cool, cool. Also, awesome, buddy, have a good yeah, couple good of days. You. And you, um, in, uh, more bike riding. Got more bike. Yeah, I did forty-one miles yesterday, so I'll be going out. I think beast, tomorrow morning for a bit. Mode. Small, short one. Yeah, we've got got some stuff. New on man, tomorrow. fucking new man, mate. I know, lost, mate. How much? How, let's, let me embarrass you. How much weight have you lost now? Uh, Twenty pound. Twenty pounds. I, know, I mean, yeah. come on. I know, yeah, a, a bit more brisket. to go. But no, thank you. Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good few steaks and a good few pints. That is, yeah. <laughs> oh, nice and buddy. That's awesome. Cool. Okay, we'll see you all uh, next week. And uh, yeah, Favakan. Chef's Table will be on for then. Nice Brilliant. Catch you later. See you later.